Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Y'all enjoying the beautiful weather we got? Yeah, well, happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, important weekend for all of us as we remember what uh, others have done and gone before to, to provide for us so we can have these freedoms that we have. Very grateful uh, for that. Those watching online, we appreciate you watching online. I want to encourage you. Why don't you uh, send a note in to Pastor Andrew, tell him where you're from and your favorite tooth, toothpaste, okay? Just something to break the ice with them there. For those of us that are here, turn to the person to the next to you and tell them your favorite toothpaste flavor, okay? Break the ice with whoever you're sitting next to. Whew. You say, well, that's a weird way to start a sermon, Pastor. Maybe a weird way to start a sermon, but you're not about to preach on sex. So, uh, we are in the book of Song of Solomon. You got your Bibles, you can open up and turn there. Uh, we're going to start out in Song of Solomon. It's on page 559 of the Burgundy Bible. And we are going to be looking at this from a 30,000-foot view. Because I know in this room, we've got everybody from all walks of life. Uh, we called it a PG-13 sermon, not because I'm going to share anything racy or anything that's inappropriate. We called it that because we are going to be talking about how God has created us, male and female, for a purpose to, to love God, love people, impact the world, and as we do that, to procreate, have children, enjoy the gift and the beauty of this thing he's given us called sex. And it's the world that's made this a dirty subject, not God. You go from Genesis to Revelation, God talks about it. He's not afraid to talk about it. He created it. Matter of fact, I tell young couples when they do premarital counseling with me, that if they will realize that God is in the bedroom when they have sex, it'll change the way they have sex. Because you realize this is not something dirty that we are doing. This is not something we're sneaking away. This is a beautiful gift that God has given for marriage. And as such, it is a treasure. It is something that you can experience only within uh, a very special, special relationship that God intended, and that's called marriage. So we're going to be looking at that. And so is it sensitive? Yes, it is. Uh, we're going to be in this book called Song of Solomon. And this is one of a thousand and five songs or poems that, that Solomon wrote. We know that from 1 Kings. It tells us he wrote a thousand and five. It's only one of three that made it into the Bible. So God must have thought it was kind of important. But interestingly enough, it's not really addressing necessarily the things of God. Now, here's what I mean by that. It's not a, a book that points to the prophecy of the return of Christ. It's not a book that, that tells them they need to repent of their sins. As you see in Isaiah, Jeremiah, you're about to go through, if you're reading the Bible with us, you're about to go through these books. It's all about these prophets proclaiming how to be righteous and how to turn away from the past. This one is really celebrating the beautiful relationship between a man and his wife. And I almost think that maybe they didn't intend it to be published. Like maybe they wrote this together and it was a special love, that connection that they had. And then afterwards it was like God said, okay, this is something that, that people need to hear. 
They need to know the beauty of what I have created. And this is a sweet picture, a sweet poetic picture of what it looks like. Now, there are those who, who would say that just uh, for some Jews, they would take this as a picture of God's love for Israel, that this is a picture of God's love for Israel. Some believers would say this was designed to be a, a metaphor, a picture of God's love for followers of Jesus. And, and that, those are metaphors, I think, that you can make and stay within biblical accuracy. But I believe originally the design was to show the beauty of the marriage relationship so we could all listen and learn. Now, having said all of this, I recognize not everybody in here is married. Not everybody in here is, wants to be married, and some of you that are may not want to be, but let's not talk about that today, okay? I realize that there are, are those that have been married multiple times, and this could be a painful subject. I realize there are those that are married today, and it's a current painful subject, and I recognize there are folks that are unmarried that would like to be married, and so therefore, it's like, well, thanks, thanks a whole lot, Pastor. And now you tell me about this beautiful thing called sex, and then you tell me to wait till marriage. That's a bummer. I remember being a, a new Christian, 17 years old, and, you know, having this desire to have a wife and being transparent, having the desire to have sex, and being told in the church, well, there's a time and a place. It's called marriage. And thinking, this is crazy. Why would God give us these desires if we have to wait? And that's exactly why we wait is because the desires are so powerful. They make people do stupid things, right? Our world is obsessed with it. Is, am I right? I mean, it's like it's been the talk ever since I was a young man and still is. And what's amazing is this gift that God's given us that we're so obsessed with is a gift he gave so that rich or poor, young or old could all experience this beautiful thing. That is the love of our creator. He could have made it where we have to have children. We go up and we shake a hand and boom, out pops a kid, right? He could have made it where you go to a fist bump. You got to be careful in fist bumps, right? It's like, boom, oh, there's a kid. But he didn't. He made it where it's the most intimate, special thing that two people can experience together. And so therefore, he, he planned and intentioned it to be only experienced within a covenant relationship, a man and a woman for life. So, you got your Bibles? Chapter one, uh, we're gonna start with one. Now, there's a lot of different verses on your listening guide. If you got your listening guide out there, I got a lot of extra verses this week. You can go check that out later. Uh, I'm gonna hit on some just because I didn't have time to hit on all. Really, the whole book, you really need to sit down and read the whole book from verse one to, to chapter eight and it's in. Matter of fact, you can listen to it. If you have a Bible app, there's be a commercial for the Bible app, get you a Bible app. It's really neat to listen to it as a story from chapter one to chapter eight, all the way through. Uh, so let's read uh, starting in verse 15 of chapter one. This is a communication between the husband and wife as they're sharing those ooey-gooey thoughts with one another. It says, how beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful your eyes are like doves. Now, guys, he's getting romantic here. Now, I don't know that saying your eyes are like doves is a big hit these days, but it, it must have worked back then. 
And then she says, you are so handsome, my love, pleasing beyond words. The soft grass is our beds. Fragrant cedar branches are the beams of our house. And pleasant smelling firs are the rafters. So they're out taking a lovely stroll as they're having this conversation. And then uh, she says, I am the spring crocus blooming on the Sharon Plain, the lily of the valley, which he responds, like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. And then she says, like the finest apple tree in the orchard. How about that, ladies? Have you ever told your husband he's like the finest apple tree in the orchard? That'll get him all sauced up right there, baby. <laughs> finest apple tree in the orchard uh, is my lover among other young men. I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. He escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. Strengthen me with raisin cakes, refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. Sounds like it all be on Hallmark, doesn't it? <laughs> Hallmark didn't invite, invent this stuff. God invented this stuff. God created this beautiful thing called love, and part of what that picture is is was in marriage, he created this beautiful thing called sex. Let's go, Lord, and pray, and ask, hope that I don't mess anything up, okay? Lord... I am so thankful that your word is clear. You created man and woman for a beautiful marriage, a beautiful relationship, and you gave us a gift called sex that is such a gift to the covenant marriage. I wanna pray, God, because we, we are in such a broken world, Lord. The world is telling us we are stupid, to have a covenant marriage with sex. They're telling us we, we're being cheated and lied to that the best life is, is to just have any kind of sex with anybody we want, anytime. And Lord, they are filling our minds and the world with a bunch of lies. And all the time when our world gets more and more broken and more and more hurt. And God, I wanna pray because there are a lot of people in this room that have been hurt. Lord, there are a lot of people that have been sexually abused, and this is a very sensitive subject. There are a lot of people that their, their marriage right now is hurting because of a lack of sex or uh, a selfish element that's there. There are folks that are hurting God because they, they would want to enjoy this relationship, but you have not shown them their spouse yet, and, and they are wondering, what's taking you so long? And God, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would bring hope, encouragement, truth, wisdom, and joy, and conviction in what we see and what we hear from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you got your listening guide? Uh, you got that pulled out? The first thing I want you to see is that God created sexual desires as a beautiful gift to mankind. This was his design. The butterflies, his design. The ooey-gooey words that you say that you thought you'd never say, his design. Where does that go? Why does it stop? Do you still, after 27 years of marriage, bring roses to the house? Do you still send text, I love you? 
After 50 years, do you still call and check on them? And when they're at work all day, do you still pack that little extra peanut butter sandwich in there just because you know that's their favorite? Love is a beautiful thing, but it can also be a, a difficult thing. But I want to start by just telling you it's beautiful because God intended it. He created it. Now, this story, if you read the whole thing, it really helped me. I went back and did some reading on some background, and, and it made more sense when I read the background. So scholars believe that the way this story took place was Solomon started by going out into the fields to check his vineyard as the king. He owned like a boatload of stuff, right? And he shows up, and anytime the king shows up normally, it's kind of like the president. There's, it's not just one man. It's a whole slew of people there to protect him, right? And while he's there checking his vineyards, this young lady captures his eye. And he's like, hmm. And his interest is piqued. But he decides that instead of showing up as the king and basically taking her, which was his privilege as a king in those days, he chose to return as a shepherd undercover. And that's why she talks about this shepherd and so they believe that Solomon returned as a shepherd to win her heart as a man instead of to coerce her as a king. And although Solomon, listen, spoiler alert here, Solomon didn't have just this one wife. He had many. In those days, kings had hundreds sometimes, and he was no different. So why is it that this story is put in? Maybe, just maybe, this was the one that he truly loved. Without a doubt, I think she truly loved him. And so we could pull from that example for us how we can learn and how we could be the, the person that loves those around us and loves well. It's kind of like a little Cinderella story. It all winds up to a nice tight bow. And we know that doesn't always happen, right? Sadly, sometimes it doesn't happen at all. And sometimes... It happens for a moment, and then it's gone. Now, for me, I, I got saved at 17, and man, it was eight more years. I, I met my wife five years before we got married. I saw her in a, in a restaurant, and I, she captured my eye, and I literally saw four ladies sitting there, four college students, and out of the four, I saw her, and I was like, that one right there, I'd like to ask out. Well, she had a boyfriend or something. I don't know what her problem was, but... <laughs> But she, she says she doesn't even remember meeting me that day. But that's okay. Because God blinded her somehow five years later. We went on our first date. We were both 25. And we both have been praying for years that God would bring us a godly spouse. And when we met that time, we had our first date. And then two months later, we, I proposed to her. And two months later... We got married. Now, a lot of people freak out when I tell them that because, you know, four months seems kind of quick, but I'll just tell you, I knew, she knew, we had a foundation in Christ Jesus, and we said, till death do we part. I've never doubted. I hope she's never doubted. If she has, she hadn't told me. And I can't wait for the next 27 years. Has it all been easy? No. Some, some years have been really hard, sometimes because of me. We'll just say always because of me. 
because I'm the one with the microphone, so I better be humble on this. We'll just say always because of me. But I'm very grateful that God has given us. Now, let me tell you, between 17 and 25, I got restless. And I was wondering, God, if you created this beautiful gift called love, what are you waiting for? Why is it taking so long? And some of you here, and, and you are unmarried, and God has called you to be celibate, and you're loving it and enjoying it, and that's wonderful. Press on. Press on. That was not me. Others are here, and, and you're unmarried, and you would like to be married. And here's what I tell you. Take that energy and that desire, that sexual desire, that desire for a relationship, and pour it into prayers. And call it out before the Lord. And I, I used to call out, Lord, you say marriage is a good thing. You say that you created it. You say you want a husband and wife to do this. And, and, and Lord, I'm just calling it out right now. I can't do that without a wife. I can't be married without a wife. So, Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name. I would pray daily, big prayers, asking God for a miracle that somebody would fall in love with me. I guess it took him a little bit longer than, than others may have thought. But I'm so grateful. Okay. So I know we're all in different places, but I want you to see that God created this thing called marriage and God created this thing called sex and it's a beautiful gift to mankind. Well, the second thing, uh, as we look at that, that's what I just said, God created the gift of sex to be within the covenant of marriage. Now we live in a world today that wants to tell us we are so stupid if we believe this. uh, You can't watch a sitcom without the couple who's married making fun of each other and, and seeing this negative relationship and the couple that's not married that's living together all always having hot sex, right? The, the world has an agenda. It's to tear down and destroy God's position on marriage. It's to tear down what he intended it to be, this covenant relationship between one man and one woman for life. And in my generation, it was premarital sex. That was the thing they warned you about. Everybody's like, oh man, premarital sex, sneak out, find, find that girlfriend, that boyfriend, that's premarital sex. Then it changed to where it's not just premarital sex. Now it's, we're gonna just openly move in together and be involved in a sexual relationship and living in the same home. And then it moved from that to, to that, that's not enough. So now we've got the LGBTQ, which is find anybody, as long as they're consensual, it's, that's good. And then we want to say that God's okay with all that. And he's not, because that's not his design. He designed something beautiful. He designed something holy. Now, somewhere along the way, let me just challenge you. I think somewhere along the way, the church got it messed up, because we quit talking about sex. And we quit talking about the importance of sex. And we got afraid to preach on sex. And we let the world turn sex into a dirty word, which it is not. If your kids are with you in here today, if your teenagers are here, I challenge you, read through the book of Song of Solomons. I know mine are gonna ask me to now. Read through the book of Song of Solomons together and have those conversations if they're teen and up. Who needs to teach kids about the beauty of sex, it's mom and dad. It's whoever is the guardian and the parent. It's not the school system. And I'm not beating up the school system. Listen, you know why they put sex education in the school system? Because moms and dads weren't doing it, right? And so we passed off to the school system what God intended to be the family responsibility. 
So, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whoever's raising the kids, step up, have the hard conversations. I recommend a thing called Passport to Purity. Uh, my wife and I, we took all our kids through Passport to Purity. It's a, it's a three-day experience where you walk through the, the teaching that God gives on sex and marriage and this beautiful thing, all in the context of relationship and enjoying the journey. Write it down, Passport to Purity. If you hadn't done it, I recommend it. It's a great way to, to understand God's purpose and plan in this marriage. Now, for some who say, well, you know, God didn't, Jesus didn't really speak about this, and, uh, but he did in Matthew, Matthew 19. Uh, Matthew 19, one to six. Some of the Pharisees, they were actually trying to uh, get Jesus to approve of all the divorces they wanted. They had it down to a system, kind of like our, our legal system does today. Hey, 60-day divorce, 30-day divorce. They had it down to one-day divorce. If the husband was dissatisfied about anything, he'd just write it down, hand it to her, it was over. It was worse then than it is today. And so Jesus is being asked, hey, is it okay for, to get a divorce? And here's what he says, Matthew 19. says, uh, verse one, says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Large crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? That's what they wanted. They wanted to divorce their wife for any reason. Like, ooh, you burnt my toast. That's it. You're done. Oh, you didn't show up. It was like they wanted their fleshly desires, and they wanted it sanctified. And a lot of people in church want that today. A lot of people today want the church to bow down and say, hey, it's okay to be homosexual if you're in a covenant marriage. It's not. A lot of people want you to say it's okay to live together before you're married. It's not. Now, you may be here today and you're like, oh, great, this is the one Sunday I come. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'll just tell you. Or you may be like I was as a young unmarried man struggling with my desires and turning to pornography. And that's not right either. And I had to repent of that. All of us have desires. All of us are born. People say, well, they're born that way. I, I'm born this way. And that is my eyes like to wander. And if I don't choose to submit them to the throne of Jesus Christ, and if I don't choose to honor him with my actions in every area, I will live a life that is totally apart from what he intended. I'm called to, to follow and live as Christ has taught me, not as the world recommends and suggests. Now, Having said that, let me just speak to everybody who's a follower of Jesus right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, will you please quit sending out mean memes, making fun of people who are LGBTQ or whatever their preference is, and instead live a righteous, godly life in love with a spouse and with full character and just model what it can be. That's our responsibility. Were there all kinds of things going on in the time of Christ? Yeah, there was. He didn't bother to call out temple worship, did he? 
Can you find that in there? It was going on, prostitutes and temple worship. He didn't bother calling that stuff out. But those who followed him, he said, if any man comes after me, let him deny himself daily, take up his cross and follow me. Now, for you single men, I don't know if anything else is more clear. Deny yourself daily. Take up your cross and follow him. For you single women, I can't think of anything more clear than deny yourself daily and follow me. For married folks, I can't think of anything more clear than deny yourself daily, take up your cross and follow him. It's not all peaches and cream, but it is the best plan and it's God's beautiful plan. And if you don't have his plan right now, then begin praying and asking God to give you that gift. Give you that gift that he wants to give you. That beautiful gift of love. Well, in Song of Solomon, it's, uh, you see this beautiful picture of this wedding ceremony. Song of Solomon chapter three, verse six through 11. They have this big to-do. You can imagine in a little village if the king came to the village for a ceremony, right? So verse six says, who is this sweeping in from the wilderness? This is uh, bystanders. Like a, cold, like a cloud of smoke, who is it? Fragrant with myrrh and frankincense and every kind of spice. Look, it is Solomon's carriage, surrounded by 60 heroic men, the best of Israel's soldiers. They are all skilled swordsmen, experienced warriors. Each wears a sword on his thigh, ready to defend the king against an attack in the night. King Solomon's carriage is built of wood imported from Lebanon. Its posts are silver, its canopy gold, its cushions are purple. It was decorated with love by the young women of Jerusalem. Come, let us see King Solomon, young women of Jerusalem. He wears the crown his mother gave him on his wedding day, his most precious day. So, they are coming to see this beautiful wedding ceremony between Solomon and this young lady, celebrating this gift. I, I think it is fitting and proper that marriages can be celebrated with a wedding day. That could be the biggest celebration in the history of a family. I think it should be celebrated and elevated in that way. But it needs to be carried on after that as well. That we love and honor and cherish the brides of our youth, the husbands of our youth, the one that we love, the one we're married to, that we honor them in the way that God calls us to honor. And we need to take care of one another and support and encourage each other. There used to be a day, and I, I had somebody explain this to me, and I thought it made sense. They said, you know, before the invention of the automobile, it was a different world. Because you see, before the invention of the automobile, somebody have to walk to your house or ride a horse to take a young lady and get to know her. So the dad would say, you can sit on our front porch in the swing and y'all can have a conversation. They didn't just hop on the horse together and ride away. It wasn't easy to get to one house to another. So there was more of what they called a courtship. But when the invention of the automobile, now all of a sudden you pull up, there's a seat right there, a seat right here. Let's go to the movies, hop in, we go. And then in time, we lost the part that we are supposed to play of encouraging a young couple to stay pure until married. It's not just a responsibility of dad, but it is. It's not just of mom, but it is. Also, siblings, family members, and friends to encourage, to edify marriage and the idea of waiting till you're married for the beautiful gift that God gives us in sex.
Now, look at what this gal says about her brother. So her brother speaks this first. Song of Songs 8, verse 8 and 9. It's interesting they put this in there. These are her brothers. They say, we have a little sister, too young to have breasts. What will we do for our sister if someone asked to marry her? If she is a virgin like a wall, we will protect her like with a silver tower. But if she is promiscuous like a swinging door, we will block her door with a cedar bar. I was a virgin like a wall. Now my breasts are like towers. When my lo- lover looks at me, he is delighted by what he sees. These brothers took it upon themselves to say, we will protect our little sister and make sure she is protected from these men that may come in scheming and wishing and promising her everything, but really only wanting one thing. Men, you know the way our minds think. It is important that you're involved in your son's and your daughter's purity. Women, you know how the minds of women think. It is important that you are involved in your son's and daughter's purity. Aunts and uncles, Cousins and friends, if you know folks that, that they don't have that in their life, you need to come alongside them as a brother and sister in Christ and share with them the beauty of God's plan and the gifts that God offers and the way we can walk that out together. That's a gift that he offers. Well, third thing, and I've already touched on this a little bit, and that is sin perverts God's perfect creation. The world is so obsessed with sex and trying to find a better way to have sex. And from day one, God created it the best way. One man, one woman in a covenant relationship. But the world wants to tell you and I that that's dumb. Am I right? I mean, you can't watch a movie that the hot and flashy sex is always by the couple that... You know, they just walked into the bar and, oh, that's the great. They don't show you the next day where they don't talk, the hurt, the pain, the lies, the deceit, the STDs. They don't tell you all that. I went to a doctor's appointment. I don't know. We've been married like seven years or something, and I can't remember what doctor's appointment for, but they said, well, you want to get tested for this disease? I said, no. I said, well, why not? You know, this is free now. The government's providing it in California. I said, I, I've been faithful to one woman my whole life. She's been faithful to me her whole life. There's no option for that. And they just couldn't, couldn't they were like blew their minds. It blew their minds. Listen, if you walk out what God calls you to walk out, it will blow people's minds. And we don't wave a flag. You know, this is how we live. You just walk it out in righteousness. Choosing to be faithful. Choosing to honor and love. Guys, I want to challenge you. These words this guy's using, they're pretty flowery, aren't they? When was the last time you sent a good flowery note to your spouse? Reminding them of the beautiful eyes and the, the beautiful hair. I mean, Solomon, you read that chapter, a couple of them chapters, woo! You just read that, send that to her, man. That'll work. He's good. He's good. Now, you might not want to use the one where he says, and your teeth each have their own twin. It's kind of funny. It's like, okay, so Solomon's compliment to her was, you got good teeth, baby. They're all there. 
Way to go. When I read that one, I was like, well, that's pretty interesting, Solomon. Way to go. Your hair is like a flock of goats. I hope those are free goats. That's what it says. So you may not want to use his, but find some on your own, okay? But don't let sin pervert your relationships. Seek the beauty that God intended. Seek it with all your heart. And then lastly, I'm just going to skip on to the last thing. God offers us beauty and restoration. Beauty and restoration. What if you haven't had what you wanted it to be? What if there's been that affair? What if there's been that brokenness in, in the dating relationship? What if, what if you were fooled by the lies of the world and you ran after every person you could chase after and you still have those memories and the hurt and the pain. What if that's there? What do you do? Well, you can live in the past or you can repent of whatever you need to repent of and walk with God in the future and begin to see what God can do in and through your life. God wants all of us to have this beautiful relationship. He does. It takes work. It takes love. It takes commitment but God wants to give all of us this gift. Now, Song of Solomon, chapter five, verse 10 through 16, is the wife talking about, I'm not gonna read it. You can go back and read it. I'm just telling you where to look at that, okay? Uh, chapter seven, verses one through nine, you can read that one as well. Beautiful pictures of their intimacy and love for one another. But 2 Corinthians Chapter five, verse 16 to 21, I believe gives us hope. Because most likely, all of us in this room at some time have committed some sexual sin. Whether it's pornography, whether it's lusting over someone that's not your spouse, whether it's adultery, fornication, homosexuality, I'm pretty sure if we started throwing stones, all of us walk out here with a lump on our heads. Maybe not everybody. Maybe your sin is something different. Envy, greed, materialism, gossip. If you go out here talking about everybody that way, it's gossip, just to let you know. So what do you do? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 21 is an awesome, awesome passage. Here's what Paul says. He says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. That includes yourself. Quit looking at yourself and your spouse from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Pause. You may want to underline that. Here's what you need to see. If you have confessed your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
This is a beautiful passage here. It was God who did that. No longer counting our sins against us. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. Maybe as I preach this, all you heard the whole time was come back to God. Maybe it has nothing to do with Song of Solomon. Maybe it has everything to do with that one last passage. I wanna give you a chance today to step out and come back to God if God's speaking to you. To my left over here, there's some kneelers and you can come and just, maybe you need to pray for somebody else, maybe for yourself, but if, if you sense that you need to just talk to the Lord about something, this is your spot. Over here to the right, if you want somebody to pray with you over something, Maybe you're walking through a tough season. Maybe you've just gone through a divorce. Maybe you're just gone through a broken relationship and you'd like someone to pray with you. Over here to my right, somebody will come and pray with you. Maybe you feel like, man, you got, you're just the weight of the world's on your shoulders and you need to talk to somebody now. In the back to my left is the prayer room and there's a couple back there that would uh, be glad to pray and encourage you in your journey. And then I'll be up front if you've never been reconciled to God, if you have never given your life over to him, listen, God loves you and he wants you to know his love. He's not up there with a bunch of rules and regulations to tell you what you've done wrong. Those are to help set you free from that captivity of sin. And if you want to come forward today and receive the gift of salvation, this hope for eternity, I'll be up front to come and pray with you. All you lie and shy and sing, if you're not coming forward, be praying for those that might. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings, as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.